And so I was trying to figure out where to start our study um, in Revelation. So a couple of things. And number one, I believe that God wants us to study this book, the book of Revelation. Amen? Yeah. That God wants us to understand the book of Revelation. And I say understand, I say that kind of with a little, uh, with a little note, if you will, that I don't understand every single thing that we're going to be studying in here. Does that change the way that I love the Lord? Absolutely not. I, there's some things I'm still waiting for further revelation from the Lord myself. Anybody else in that camp? You're still waiting for the Lord to show you so, something. It's like, well, I don't get this, Lord, but I'll trust you no matter what. And that's all the Lord asks of us is that we would trust him. Amen. I don't understand everything about Tanya, my beautiful bride, how her pancreas works or stuff like that. I still love her with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I, I, there's stuff I don't understand in God's word, but I still love the Lord. And so I believe God wants us to understand this book. It is not meant, this book is not meant to be sealed up. In fact, in the last chapter of Revelation, how many chapters are there? 22, thank you. Last chapter of Revelation, in 22, verse 10, this angel, the tour guide angel, says to John, and he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. Why? For the time is at hand. And so this book is not meant to be sealed up or to be stuffed aside and there's a lot of reasons people don't teach this book. There, I, I don't know how many churches teach this book at all, by the way. How many people study this book? It's, they say it's too complex, too complicated, too controversial. You start reading it, perhaps, and go, what in the world is this even talking about? I don't get it. I'm just going to skip this book altogether. And I don't believe... I don't believe that the, uh, the book was given to us not to understand. I think the Lord wants to help us to understand this book, to walk through it with us. And um, just as a, as a heads up, there are four views or positions that people take when interpreting or teaching this book. Three of the views, three of the positions say this book is not real or it's all been fulfilled. And there's one position or view that says it's real. And guess which one we're going to go with? We're going to go with that one. That clears up everything. I'm not even going to talk about those other views. They don't believe this book is real. They believe it's already all fulfilled. I'm sorry. That's just not the case. And so the, the devil attacks the word of God, does he? doesn't he? In fact, the first question in the Bible is the questioning of God's word. Remember when the serpent came, when the devil came to Eve? Did God really say that? So the first question in the Bible is the questioning of God's word. And we know Genesis and Revelation, those are really kind of the book ends, aren't they? The beginning and the end also. And so Genesis is the book of beginnings. Revelation is how God is going to wrap it all up. And do you know that Jesus wins, by the way? If you, if you miss everything... Make sure you're on the right team this morning. Because for us as believers, the best is yet to come. If, if, listen, if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, the worst is yet to come. Again, it's not an accident you're here. The Lord loves you and wants to rescue you if you don't know him this morning. The book of Genesis gets attacked. The book of Revelation gets attacked. Can you imagine if our Bibles ended with the book of Jude? 
That's the little book right before Revelation. Can you imagine? What happened to the tree of life? What happened to Babylon? What, what happened to Satan? What's up with him? What about the new heaven and the new earth? What's that all about? What about the promises that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What about the promises to Israel? Hey, what about the things, the promises he gave to us? Blessed are the poor in spirit, shall they shall inherit the... How does that work out? Are we going to inherit the earth or are we not going to inherit the earth? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The kingdom of heaven for the poor in spirit. What about the kingdom of heaven? How's that going to work out? Or what about when it says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God? How's that going to work out? Well, Revelation answers all those questions. In fact, we look at Genesis, and you guys know, we see the creation of heaven and earth, don't we? And then in Revelation, we see the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. Can you imagine we're going to be standing right there with our dad when he creates something out of nothing? That's going to be amazing, isn't it? Book of Genesis, earthly paradise, right? The, with the tree of life, right? That, that river that was flowing and blessing, all of that lost because of sin. The book of Revelation, what do we see? We see the paradise of God, the tree of life right there, the river flowing from the throne of God. What else? The devil entered in in Genesis, didn't he? Devil entered in. Revelation, what happens? He gets cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Adios, dude. <laughs> First atoning sacrifice with a lamb in the book of Genesis. And then in Revelation, what do we see? The lamb of God the Lamb of God who what? Who takes away the sin of the world, seated on the throne, ruling and reigning. How about the rise of Babylon in Genesis? The fall of Babylon in Revelation. How about this? How about the sorrow, the pain, the hurt, the death, all as a result of our sin and rebellion entering in in Genesis? But what do we see in Revelation? No more sin, no more pain, no more suffering. I'll get an amen somewhere. No more taxes. I'll get an amen out of you. <laughs> no more tears. Why? Because God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and we will see God. How awesome is that? That's why we study Revelation. Because it's his word straight from his heart to our heart. And so we're going to learn as we study together that God talks about the future. And when he talks about the future, he knows what he's talking about. He's not guessing. A quarter, over a quarter of the Bible is, is prophecy, by the way. And all of this has been fulfilled so far. All that God spoke about, this part of our Bible has all been fulfilled. What are the odds that this is going to get fulfilled? I'm not a betting man. I lived in Vegas for a bit. I'm not an odds maker, but I'm going to trust in the Lord that he's going to fulfill his word. And so let's read. We're going to read chapter 1. And then we're going to go back and start breaking it down. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Okay, cool. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, 
to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our own sins. In his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands, which you saw are the seven churches. Awesome. 
So let's, let's begin, if you guys like outlines, how about just a simple outline of chapter one? Verses one through three would be the introduction. One through three, intro. Verses four through eight is the greeting. And then verses nine through 20, would, I would say Jesus shows up. Make it real, let's make it real simple. So one through three, intro, four through eight, greeting, nine through 20, Jesus shows up. Sound good? That makes sense? Let's check out. And by the way, Revelation is the only book that pronounces a blessing like the one we found in verse three. Isn't that beautiful? Those who read, those who hear and apply this book, God's word, you will be blessed. Did anybody want to come to church this morning want to be blessed? Or did you come to church saying, I don't want to be, I don't want I, too much blessing in my life. Don't, don't need another one. There's a promise to each and every one of us. And I love also here, before we start breaking down the verses, is that Jesus gives us the outline for the entire book in verse 19. Let's, let me draw your attention there real quick before we get to verse one. Jesus gives the outline for the entire, isn't that cool that he does that for us? Gives us the outline. Because he tells John what to write down. Number one, write the things, number one, which you have seen. That would be chapter one. What did John see? He saw the risen, glorified, beautiful majestic Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So the things which you have seen, number one, chapter one. Number two, the things which are. That would be chapter two and three. And Jesus will give, check this out, Jesus will give report cards to seven literal churches that existed in John's day. In fact, those churches were listed in verse 11. And we'll get to that unless the Lord comes, which will be way better. You guys like report cards? We need them, don't we? I love that Jesus gives the churches report cards because we learn what a successful church looks like in Jesus' eyes instead of gauging a successful church by what man says. We want a successful church in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And so we'll look at that later on. And then the last part of the outline, part three, the things which will take place after this. That will be chapter four all the way to chapter, what's the last chapter again? <laughs> chapter 22. And so what will those events be? The rapture of the church, number one. Number two, the rise of the Antichrist. Number three, the seven-year period known as the tribulation. Number four, the second coming of Jesus Christ to set up his kingdom on this earth. For how long does he do it for? A thousand years. What's it also known as? The millennial reign. It's not when the millennials will reign. Anybody happy about that? No millennials will be reigning at that time. Thank you, Lord. Millennial reign. thousand years. Some of you will get that later. It's okay. And then the judgment of the unsaved. Then the eternal kingdom of heaven. In other words, we live happily ever after with Jesus. Amen. Good news this morning. So verse one. Please notice it's the revelation, not revelations. The revelation of 
Jesus Christ. This book is about the unveiling. That's what revelation means, unveiling, the revealing, the uncovering of Jesus Christ in all of his splendor and beauty and magnificence. It's interesting, that word revelation in the Greek is uh, apocalypsis. We get, what, what word would we get from that? Apocalypse or apocalyptic. When you hear that, when you hear apocalypse, what do you think about? Did I hear zombie apocalypse from somebody? <laughs> you think cataclysmic, uh, right? You think about uh, catastrophe, wipe out. Listen, revelation is, is, it means simply the uncovering or unveiling. Jesus Christ is being uncovered, unveiled. Here is the uncovering, the clarifying of Jesus Christ in a greater way. In other words, you haven't seen this yet before. Here's who Jesus really is. It's interesting because Jesus said in the Gospels that he came and he revealed the Father to us, didn't he? We're going to see the Father revealing the Son to us. In fact, that's what it said, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants. And so if something's unveiled or uncovered, maybe you've seen, you guys ever seen like a new car that gets unveiled or monument or something that gets, they take that, right? Everybody gets together and it's big news and send out the bulletins, the flyers, the texts. Everybody gather, here comes the new car or here's the new, the new whatever. And all of a sudden you got to strike up the band and somebody gets up there and speaks. And then all of a sudden the big moment comes and... There goes the curtain. There goes the veil. And you get to see whatever it is underneath the veil. That's what's happening here. It's our Lord Jesus Christ being revealed in a, in a new way, in a fresh way, in his relationship to heaven and earth, to those under the earth, to demons, to angels, heaven and earth, the church, Israel, we understand his values, his priorities. We learn more about Jesus. Please understand this. It's not, the, it's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think it's great as we learn what would Jesus do in this situation. That's what we learn from the Gospels, but also in Revelation also. And so the purpose of this book is to show us Jesus. And the Father gave the Son this book to who? To show who? What does it say? His servants. Who are his servants? Do you serve the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Are you his servant? No man can serve two masters. Right? Are you serving Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered your life to him and you're about serving the Lord? Then this is for you. This is given to you and given to me to show us, to, to, to teach us, to show us more about Jesus, to put on display Jesus for us. And I love that God gave the revelation to us. He's showing it to us. The Father is revealing the Son. You, we just had Christmas, right? Did you guys get any gifts for your kids? Did you guys get gifts for your kids? That's like part of the room. Okay. Then I'll share. Tanya and I got Alana, our 10-year-old, a new dollhouse. And I, when Tanya told me that, this is what she wants, and uh, we got to get it for her. She's not going to say no. I said, what? She's, 
man, next year she's not going to be playing with that dollhouse. No way. And Tanya so graciously said to me, this might be the last time you get to play with her with that dollhouse. And it didn't even click. Yeah. Right? Because our kids outgrow those dollhouses. So, guess what? She got that dollhouse. Dad put it all together. And she came out and boom, she got to see the dollhouse. And she was excited. But I was excited as a dad, as a father, for her to see this brand new dollhouse, for it to be revealed to her. That's how our Heavenly Father feels about this book, that he's going to reveal this to you. He's excited, no doubt. There's joy, and there should be joy in our hearts. As Alana was excited to to see if she got her dollhouse, listen, we come to this book with excitement. Listen, we know how it's all going to roll out. In the end, again, Jesus wins. We're on the winning team. If you don't know Jesus, this book should scare the hell out of you. It should cause you to be sober and to repent and get right with God immediately. But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, man, it's cool. We're going to be fine. We shouldn't be like pigging out on comfort food and, and tossing and turning at night. We should be, oh, Lord, you're sovereign. You're in control. You tell us how it's going to roll out, and you've been faithful to all your promises, to all your predictions, to all your prophecies. Why do I need to freak out at all? Be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. Lord, show me more about Jesus. What what does he want to show us? Look at the verse. Things which what? Which must, not might, which must shortly take or come to pass, shortly take place. Shortly take place. That means future events that will absolutely happen. And that word shortly, it's interesting, must shortly uh, take place. It's entakos in the Greek. It's a word in which we get tachometer. You guys know in your car you have the, the tachometer. It measures the RPMs. Some of you guys hit that lots of RPMs. But it doesn't speak of soonness. I don't even know if that's a word. It's not speaking of soonness, but it speaks of, the word means speedily or with quickness or swiftly. The idea is when these things begin to happen, they will happen with speed, with quickness. It's kind of like when you're driving to San Antonio and there's signs for Bucky's. I'm going to get your attention here in a second. Right? 700 miles. Don't, don't miss it. Cleanest bathrooms in the West or whatever. And you got that little squirrel up there, right, with his hat flipped up. And then the closer you get, though, what happens? You see more signs for Bucky, correct? The eyes of Bucky's are upon you. 25 miles, 12 miles, 10 miles. I guess I'm, you're laughing at you know what I'm talking about here. It's potty time in two miles. <laughs> Exit now. The closer you get, right, it happens with, with more frequency is the idea. Or that doesn't resonate with you. How about dominoes? Not pizza. You know the dominoes you set up? You guys ever seen dominoes? You set them up, you hit that first one. And... Once you hit that first one, it begins to happen swiftly. It starts to happen Once the rapture happens, guess what? Those dominoes are happening fast. Boom, boom, boom. That's the idea here. And so he says, um, he sent, look at the next part of the verse, and he sent, 
Speaking of Jesus, he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. And I love this. That word signified means to use symbols and signs. The book of Revelation, listen, the book of Revelation is full of signs and symbols. But here's the deal. Please listen. We are not free to come to our, come up with our own meanings for those. Are you with me? Like, I think this would be cool. If it, you know, this is what I think it is. Every sign or symbol, please listen, every sign or symbol is explained or alluded to somewhere else in God's word. There are over 500 references back to the Old Testament in this book alone. Four, whatever, 400 whatever verse, verses it is, that's a lot of references to the Old Testament, correct? That means we should know our Old Testament. Do you know there's people that argue with me? Every time I teach Revelation, people come and argue with me. If you're one of those people, just don't. Send me an email, Michael Metter, <laughs> CalvaryChapel.com. No, I, I joke. I don't care. You got questions. You want to talk. You want to rap about this. That's to, I'm, to, I'm totally down. I'm always here after service. But my, one of my first questions is, when people come and do that, I say, have you read the whole Bible? You know what the answer normally is? I haven't read it all. I said, when you, could you please go and read your whole Bible and then come back and we'll talk? It's, it's sad that we haven't read through the whole Bible if we're a Christian because it was assumed, the early church, it was assumed that they knew all these cross-references, all the things we're going to look at in relation to Revelation, to understand the Revelation that he gives. If there's 500, over 500 references, that's important, is it not? And so, in other words, this also the symbolic language is interpreted right there in the book also. When we read through, did you see where John, where John saw Jesus in verses 12 through 20? We just read it. Did you guys see that? Jesus showed up. You guys remember that? On the isle, which island? Of Patmos. Jesus shows up, and then it says in verse 12 that there were seven lampstands, and then in verse 16, there are seven stars, and then what's so beautiful in verse 20 is Jesus tells us what they are. Isn't that beautiful? We don't have to come up with all, oh, this is what I think it is, this is what it might be. Jesus tells us the lampstands are seven churches, the seven stars are angels, literally messengers. And it's interesting because Tanya and I were talking this week about going through Revelation. And it's like, why didn't God just do A, B, C, D and just give it to us like that? No signs, no symbols. Anybody else thought like that before? Why didn't it, why didn't it just lay it out for us? I've got three reasons. You're entitled to your own distorted opinion on this. <laughs> but isn't God a master teacher? I think when you study your Bible, the entire Bible, we learn that God is a master teacher. He teaches us in so many beautiful different ways, and this is one of them. So number one, I think one of the reasons he gives so much symbolism and imagery, number one is because of the persecution in the early church. 
Are you guys aware of the persecution by the Romans in the early church? It was so heavy under Nero, at this time Domitian. As you go back and look at that, in fact, Nero would, would uh, stick Christians, would, would, would impale them with a pole and put them on his lawn and light them on fire. The apostle John, they tried to boil in oil to kill him, couldn't kill him, so he was exiled to the island of Patmos. Heavy persecution, killing Christians, murdering. Listen, much like what is going on around the world today with our brothers and sisters, in case you didn't know. But when the Romans would come and confiscate a letter or a book, can you imagine them opening up and looking at Revelation? What is this? Lampstand, stars, what a sword out of the mouth. Do you remember when you read Revelation before you got saved? Anybody? This guy's on drugs. Well, wait a minute, I'm on drugs. You know? <laughs> But for the early church, so check this out, for the early church, they were familiar with the Old Testament, with all of this imagery, with the apocalyptic imagery of Ezekiel and Daniel and Zechariah. They weren't tripping out. What does this mean? They knew from their Bibles because they learned their Bibles. They knew their Bibles. This became the most important influence in their life. My notes are falling out. That's okay. And so, number two, here's number two. How about this? Signs and imagery, they transcend time, people, cultures. Symbols and imagery transcend time, cultures, people. Why do I say that? Did you see some of the imagery we read about? A sword or a knife, lampstands, stars, those were prevalent in John's day. Do we still have swords? Do we still have lampstands? You can see the stars if you go outside the city at night. <laughs> Amen? Transcend time, people, cultures. Again, the Lord is a master teacher, y'all. Remember how Jesus taught? He taught in parables. Parables do two things at once. They conceal and reveal at the same time. Isn't that cool? For those with a soft, tender heart... The truth is revealed to them. You're a know-it-all, it's, it's concealed from you. Right? Even Jesus prayed that. He said, Father, thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent, those that are wise and prudent in their own eyes, but you revealed these to babes. That's why we need to be babes in reception, like childlike faith, receiving this, then go on to maturity and bring forth fruit to the glory of God. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, the Sermon on the Mount. You guys remember that, Sermon on the Mount? Jesus saw the multitudes. How much is the multitude? Is that a lot of people? He saw the multitudes, and what did he do? He climbed up the mountain. Why did he do that? Because you know who the only people that went up there? His disciples. Go back and look at it, Matthew 5, 1. His disciples went up the mountain to hear. Jesus sat down and taught them. Bunch of other people. I don't want to go up that mountain. You, you call him a good teacher? He's telling us about seeds and, and birds. And... But the disciples followed him up. Why? Because they wanted to learn. They're receiving the implanted word with meekness. Third reason, here's what I think. It's my own opinion. Is that symbols and imagery, they create strong mental pictures that stir up strong emotions. Strong mental pictures that stir up Strong emotions. 
When I taught my kids, uh, Luke, Sloan, and Mackenzie, when they were little, when we did Bible study together, we would read the Bible, and then we would act it out. Can you imagine that? And then we would pray. So, we, for example, John chapter 4, Jesus meets the, who did he meet? You guys know your Bible, come on. John 4, Samaritan woman at the well. So we'd read the passage, and then we would get, we would get Barbie, Samaritan woman at the well. And then Luke, he, had, he actually had a Jesus doll, what, what they thought Jesus would look like. There's no description except right there in chapter 1 of the description of Jesus, by the way. But Jesus, you could, you could pull the string or push the button or something, and he would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So... <laughs> So we acted, we read it, and then we act it out with the doll. Barbie right, cruises up, gets some water at the well. You still with me? Imagery. I mean, those kids know, like, their Bibles. They've, they've learned it. They've, man, we played it out. Say, play, pray. Somebody shared that with me years ago. Say, read it, play it out, pray. Maybe that'll help somebody here this morning. Doesn't work when they're older. <laughs> but notice what it says back with me in verse 1. And he sent, Jesus sent and signified it by his angel. angel I think angels use like 70-something times in this book. And it refers to, the word means literally in the Greek, angelos, means messenger. And it can be a human messenger or angelic or a heavenly messenger. And we'll see that as we move our way through. We're going we're gonna to be introduced to tour guide angel a little bit later the one that accompanied John. And so notice what it says, though. It was signified by his angel to his servant, John. Which John is this? Which John is this, gang? The Apostle John. And for you Bible students, a little further study to help you out, early church fathers, Irenaeus, Tertullian, uh, Clement of Alexandria, Eusebius, all these early church fathers said this was John the Apostle. So just to give you a little extra study, some, uh, some extra help, these guys all said it was John the Apostle. Who was John the Apostle? One Jesus. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. So he was a Galilean fisherman. His dad's name was... Rhymes with, starts with Z, rhymes with Nebedee. Zebedee. Mom Salome. Right? Jesus called them, right, to leave their father, their wealthy, right, wealthy business, to leave. Dad, drop your nets, come follow me. Did they follow him? Yes. They sure did. They became part of the original 12, right? John's bro- what was John's brother's name? James. What, what were they called? What did Jesus call them, though? Sons of wispy white clouds and gentle breezes. What did he call them? Sons of thunder. I mean, these guys were like, had Harleys. No. <laughs> James, Peter, and John became part of the, the inner circle, right? They got to do some special stuff with Jesus. Do you remember that? Was that favoritism? Partiality? There's no favoritism with God. Why those three get to do the special stuff? I think they were the remedial class. Some of us need more help than others, don't we? I would be a part of that. I need to see the... I need, you with me? Everybody with me on that? Okay. 
John described himself as the one that Jesus loved. He laid his head on Jesus' breast. He was the only one there at the cross, only disciple, rather, at the cross. And Jesus entrusted his mother, Mary, with John. He's the writer of the Gospel of John, three epistles. He's the one that received and recorded the revelation for us. John received the revelation as an old man. He's probably, he's probably, he's getting up there. This was written probably around 95 AD. And uh, he's there exiled. He's in this place of loneliness. He's, again, he was, they tried to burn him. They couldn't kill him that way. So he gets banished to this island. He survives that. Church history tells us he ends up back at Ephesus. Being a pastor there and... Church history tells us they would wheel him up to the front, to the pulpit, and you know what he would say? Thank you. My little children love one another. And then he would, they would wheel him on out of there, and everybody would be like, oh. Isn't that beautiful, though? He's been through all of this. He's not hard-hearted. Hey, love one another. That place of isolation, he received the greatest revelation. And maybe that's for you this morning. Maybe you're in that place, feeling like you're all alone, like John. And the Lord wants to reveal himself to you in a special way, no matter what you're going through. He wants to reveal himself to you in a new way, in a fresh way. That's what we're we're learning here. God's desire is not to conceal, but to reveal. God wants you and I to get a fresh vision of Jesus Christ in our lives. To see him in all of his beauty, all of his splendor, all of his magnificence. To see something fresh and new about him, no matter what we're going through. And to receive it. Well, look at John did in turn. Verse 2, he bore witness to the word of God. So, number one, he bore witness. He testified to the word of God. Revelation is God's word. It originated in God. John received God's word. And then what did he do? He passed it on to the church. Number two, look what it says. John testified, he bore witness to the testimony of Jesus Christ. John went on record concerning what the Lord Jesus said and what the Lord Jesus did, and then he passed it along to you and I, to the church. And then third, look what it says. John bore witness to what? To all, how much is all? All the things that he saw. Everything he saw What did he do? He wrote it down and passed it along to the church. Listen, what does it mean to be a witness in the courtroom? Think about that with me. What does it mean to be a witness? What do you do? You testify. You testify or tell what you know about a situation or an event. I was corrected this morning. I heard in federal court, you don't put your hand on the Bible and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. They used to do that, I think, though, didn't they? You put your hand on the Bible, you go to court, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so what is John doing? He's telling us the truth. He is being a faithful witness of all that he saw, all that he heard. He took note of everything and made sure that we would have it in our hands and in our hearts. He simply tells us what he sees and hears and passes it on to you and to me. I love that. Are you a faithful witness 
what the Lord has done in your life. Well, look at the last, we've got time for one more verse. Hallelujah. Look at verse 3 with me. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is, what does it say? Time is what? Time is near. So what does blessed mean? Oh, how happy is the man or woman. But it also means, oh, how spiritually prosperous is the man or woman. Does anybody here want to be spiritually prosperous? Well, how how are you going to be spiritually prosperous? Number one, what does it say? He who reads the words of this prophecy. Are you guys reading along with me? Or are you reading the scoreboard up here? (laughs) That's good too. He who reads, he who what? He who hears, I'm reading also to you. Correct? And then he who keeps or he who applies the words of this prophecy. And by the way, I had never seen this till this week. That word he, he who, number one, reads, that's in the singular. And then those who hear is plural. In other words, this was meant for the pastor to read to the congregation. Does that make sense, y'all? And so, please notice, though, it says the words of what? Of this prophecy. What is a prophecy? In other words, it's a prediction. In other words, God is foretelling future events. Prophecy is when God tells us something that will come to pass, and it comes to pass with 100% accuracy. This makes our God, listen, this makes our God unique and awesome. Amen? In fact, listen to what God says in Isaiah. I'm going to read it, 44, 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. Isaiah 46, God said, remember this and show yourselves men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. Pretty awesome. Listen, when God talks about the future, he knows what he's talking about. He's not guessing. He knows it. There are over 300 prophecies in the New Testament that refer to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I think it's like one in every 25 verses. That would be a lot, wouldn't it? Not a lot? 
how many, think about the prophecies and promises, predictions that God made concerning the first coming of Jesus Christ. Did Jesus fulfill completely and literally all those prophecies concerning his first coming? I hope we're all in agreement because he did. Amazing, miraculous, supernatural. You know what that means? All of those prophecies concerning his second coming, they will be filled completely and literally as well. Why should we think differently? God says what he means and he means what he says. Listen, I am a, you guys know this. If you've been around here for any amount of time, I am a literal teacher of the Bible. That means I treat all 66 books of the Bible the same exact way. Taking the literal meaning unless something is clearly symbolic and intended to give a figurative meaning. I think that is the safest place to be because I'm going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account of what I do with his word. And listen, there's a warning attached to the end of this book. You become an editor of God's word, look out, woe unto you. You know what I'm saying? People become editors of God's word. What do you mean by that, pastor and editor? You add or take away from God's word. Woe unto you, look out. You don't mess with God's word. And so we're going to go through verse by verse. And not only learning and hearing and reading, but look at the last part. We need to keep it. Here's what keep means. To observe, to guard, to watch, to keep intact preserving with active and strenuous care to the end, to abide by, to comply with, to honor, to respect, and to apply. To apply all that's written. And what's the promise? What's the promise? You'll be what? You'll be bummed? You'll be blessed to apply these truths to your life. And can I just say one thing before we finish up here? Please do not be deceived. Because it's possible to hear and to think you've done. You've done the word, but you haven't. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. I hear what it's saying. All right. I got it up here. All right. I'm good. No, 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 no. It's not just hearing. It's putting into practice in our lives. That's where the blessing is. With each chapter, we should be asking ourselves, what did I learn that I can put into practice in my life? Is there a sin, Lord, you're showing me that I need to repent of? Is there an area of my life that I need to surrender to you? Am I holding on to something I shouldn't be holding on to? Lord, is there something you want me to do for you to walk in? Something to apply here in my marriage with my kids? Listen, if we don't apply it, it's going to go nowhere. We'll be good at Bible trivia. And you'll be, good, you'll be, you'll be able to argue with people about Revelation. But we need to put into practice what the Bible says, that's where real joy comes from, is being a doer, keeping his word. Happiness comes when we apply God's word to our lives. Why? Look what it says. For the time is what? Time is near. The fulfillment of all that God has spoken is getting real close. Listen, it's interesting because this word uh, near, it speaks, it's getting closer But it also speaks of at hand, or you can grasp and squeeze it is the idea. In other words, it's current, it's relevant. By the way, God's word is always relevant. Don't let anyone tell you it's not. It's always in style. It always fits. It's always, always contemporary, current, and relevant 
for us and all the events recorded for us will literally come to pass at some point and it's getting super close. Jesus spoke about, he spoke about all of those things as birth pangs leading up to his coming. That they would happen. You guys know moms, birth pangs? Pretty fun stuff. No, it happens. The closer you get to baby, what happens? More intensity, right? Am I right? I, I was just there rooting Tanya on. I didn't, had nothing to do with more intensity, more frequency. Jesus said, when you see these things come to pass, look up for your redemption draweth near. Peter tells us why. Peter tells us why it hasn't completely unfolded yet. You know why? Because God is patient. He is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Aren't you glad he didn't come like five years ago, maybe, for some of you all? Ten, some of you, ten years, maybe 20 years ago? A year ago? Some of you guys younger in the Lord? That God is patient. And we're going to see that. Man, with, with judgment, he couples mercy with his judgment. He's such a good God. And so in light of what we know, are things getting better? Are, things, are people getting gooder and gooder? God told us things are going to degenerate quicker and quicker. So for those of you who know the Lord, the same word near is used in Romans 13. Can I share it as we finish up? And do this knowing the time, time is near, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Man, let's do battle. Let's do this, man. Spiritual armor. Let us walk properly or circumspectly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That means we need to apply what we learn, gang. We want to be blessed, don't we? If we neglect this book and not do what it's saying, we're going to miss out on the blessing that God has for each and every one of us. But if we listen, we read, and we do, man, we're going to be encouraged. We are going to prosper spiritually. And this book, listen, this book, there's a blessing in the, at the beginning and there's a blessing at the end. And that tells me God wants to bless our lives from beginning to end. Jesus said, behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus.